As a leader in advanced HVAC technologies, Mitsubishi Electric is committed to continuous innovation around efficiency, comfort, and wellness, with a focus on personal comfort and prosperous communities. Mitsubishi offers a variety of indoor options, including high-wall floor mount, duct handlers, and extremely popular one-way ceiling cassette. Climate systems are great for a single room or the entire home, providing 100% capacity to minus 5 degrees. A full range of control options including Wi-Fi, touchscreen, and thermostats, and simple remotes are available to meet every customer's needs. Mitsubishi's regional sales and marketing teams are available to meet with you and help you grow your business. For more information, go to MitsubishiComfort.com. As president of Encom, David Andersky didn't always know that he was going to run the company founded by his father, Marty, in 1968. After 50 years, the company has grown to become a leader in the HVAC industry in New Jersey, garnering recognition and awards along the way. Welcome, David. Good morning. Mark Madison here. Welcome to On Books and People. This morning, I'm excited about our guest, Mr. David Andersky, president of Encom Mechanical in Ocean, New Jersey. David, how are you this morning? I'm doing wonderful, Mark. And how are you? <laughs> Good as gold, right as rain. I'm excited. I'm going to England in a few days. So I, I have my whole whole different attitude, right? So it's that uh, opposite of distress. It's you stress. It's that positive expectancy. So so you grew up in New Jersey. What was what was your childhood like? You know, Mark, it was kind of the traditional um Modern American childhood in the 70s, um, a lot of farmland, single lane highway, which is no longer a single lane highway now. It's two should be three lanes of intersections and red lights and New Jersey jug handles, meaning they don't trust us to make left-hand turns out here. Um, <laughs> but it was a pretty simple life being the owner, being the son of an owner of a a small contracting firm. We did a lot of things on my father's time and uh, we're able to afford a, you know, traditional um, middle-class lifestyle growing up out here. And you, you guys had a place up on the lake as well. You know, tell us about the lake. Yeah. So somewhere in the eighties, um, we used to vacation up to a, an area in the Adirondacks called George. And one rainy week, my parents left us kids behind in the, <clears throat> in the cabins and found themselves a local real estate agent. And again, my father being a contractor found the oldest beat up most tore apart house he possibly could <laughs> and got it. The good news is they could afford it in the con condition it was in. And then my parents spent the next year or so going up on weekends and rebuilding it and modifying it. And it's turned into a wonderful vacation for our family over the last 40 or so years. Lake George is a lot like Lake Chelan. Chelan's 55 miles long, and that's our little getaway. So it always, it always makes me smile when you say, we went to Lake George. You know, and it was funny because in the 80s and the 90s and even the early 2000s, they didn't have a thing called um, Wi-Fi up there. Right. So when you went up there, you truly disconnected, and maybe not by choice, but just because. And there was a landline in the house that sometimes when power was existent, it actually worked. Um, but you'd go up there sometimes and you'd lose power because a tree fell down and you just roughed it for a few days. But it was a it's a really nice place to go and um, disconnect a little bit. Yeah. So when did you join the family business? It was called Mylor back then. 
You know, I think I was born into it. Uh, so maybe <laughs> at three or so. Um, but no, you know what? My father back in the day, and he still does. My father is 84, comes to work every day. Um, but I literally, I was here a lot of Saturdays with him um, as, as a young kid. And then high school summers and college breaks. So I, while I didn't think I'd be in the business full time at that point in my life, it was a great way to learn a trade. Um, it was a great way to have money to have some spending money when you were in high school and college and not all my friends had. So you'd go uh, we skiing. Worked, we'd work really hard and we'd come home really hot, sweaty, and disgusting, but we had a good paycheck for it. Yeah. And you, you, made, you made time for skiing, right? One of your passions. Yes. And, um, you know, built a lot of my college schedules based around my ski, my my desire to ski. And yes, I was able to uh, work enough hours and bank enough money that I was able to afford the lift ticket. So your first job was at what project manager or did you start like driving parts truck? No, I literally started driving the parts truck. Um, then I was a helper. And the running joke around the company back in the day was they hated it when I showed up to a job because my father never sent me to the clean, easy ones. He sent me to the hot, sweaty, smelly, disgusting <laughs> ones. And the guys would be like, oh, he's here. That means we won't have a fun day. And even before I decided I was going to come into the business full time, I learned that early was late and on time was 15 minutes early. Yeah. And as a junior apprentice, you know, I would show up with my box of Dunkin' Donuts for the guys. And um, and for it, the guys trained me. They taught me a lot of a lot of things. And even to this day, I say I make a really good helper. Um, I don't belong. You know, I'm not the best for the torch, um, but I can really figure out what copper fittings the guys in front of me needed to figure out how to make their jobs better and faster. Anticipate their needs. <clears throat> And I, I really learned the job up um, from everything, from hanging sheet metal to running control wires to, um, again, buggy lugging some big pipe with some big hardworking guys. They're like, oh, just throw that six-inch pipe over your shoulder. I'm like, you realize I'm 150 pounds lighter than you and a foot smaller? They're like, we don't care. Pick uh, it up, young man. And, uh, we, we learned how to work. I remember throwing a 250 pound Freon tank over my shoulder and going up a ladder and I got admonished for being reckless, but you know, I could do it. So that was one of those things. It's so funny when you're talking, I'm sitting here thinking, I thought it was out. They pulled me back in. That, that, that's kind of your story. And the truth is I, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy going on the job sites. I, I miss um, working on the sites because, you know, up until, you know, not that many years ago, on Saturdays, if, you know, there was a rig day or something, I'd still love being an extra set of hands because it's really prideful to be able to look back and be like, that's what we did today. And I've known you for 23 years, and I can say with certainty that you still have that light, the passion. Uh, you love what you do, and, and <clears throat> people love working for you. Who were your early mentors? Who were the guys that made a difference? <clears throat> you know, in the field, I had a lot of young and they're not, and a lot of them still work here, so they're not so we're not so young anymore. <laughs> um, ironically, some of them are talking about retiring. I'm like, well, if we started together. Why would you be retiring? Aren't you like my age? Um, and they, you know, they were 10, 20 years of my senior back then. Yeah. But I had, I had a lot of mentors, both within the organization 
and outside and guys like you that, you know, I've just been able to um, had the privilege of knowing for so many years um, and just, you know, I, I'm a sponge, you know, I, before the days of us having a sheet metal shop, I worked for the guy named Joe and I'd show up every day in his garage, literally his garage in his house. And he taught me about things like, you want to count how many steps it takes to get from your brake to your, you know, to the next machine. Cause the less steps you make, the more efficient you are for the day. I was like, wow, what a novel idea. And things, you know, those little nuggets just stuck with me throughout yeah. my career. And for me, you could be a sheet metal worker. You could be a seasoned project manager. You could be the best estimator. I love to learn from everybody. And it doesn't you're, matter to me what role you're doing. There's something I can learn from you in the way you do it. Your father told me that he taught you how to play chess. And before he knew it, I think by the time you were 10 or 11 years old, you were beating. And is that true? Um, I think he's embellishing on the age a little bit. I think I was eight. But that's okay. He can live with 10 or 11. <laughs> <clears throat> I was giving him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, that's okay. But no, for that, again, I always had a a, a love to learn or figure or tinker. Um, and even today with the apps and the technology that's out there, I, I'm a show me, don't, don't, you know, let me get my hands dirty kind of, kind of learner. Yeah. And it works much better for me that way. It's called being a kinesthetic learner. You learn by doing. Yeah, yeah. I do. So uh, what's great about the family business? I mean, you know, it obviously has its challenges and we'll talk about that in a minute, but what's great about it? I'm privileged and honored to say that I could work with my father every day. And I know a lot of generational businesses where they could either work together or not. And I'm privileged that I could say we could work together and still enjoy holiday weekends together and family getaways together. Uh, so the greatness is just that. I mean, you know, not only do I have an 84-year-old father, I have an 80-year-old father that loves to come to work yeah. every day. Yeah. And just to watch that and see that. And, you know, I tell him at this point in his career, his job is just to take the wisdom that he knows and just spread it around. And I tell the young people here, just hang out with him. Yeah. And watching him mentor and young, young men and women around him just learn. And it's like, oh, you're, you know, people tell me all the time, your father's amazing. He could still do this and he knows that and he's better than, I'm like, that is a privilege and an honor. And I give him all the credit on a generational business's success because he allowed me maybe 15 years ago to make changes that he wasn't comfortable with, yeah. that he necessarily didn't agree with. And, you know, I, I use the analogy, he allowed me to call his baby ugly. Mm -hmm. um and take things that he was you know that again he created and leverage technology differently than he did or grow in a different direction than he would have and the fact that he allowed me to do that and you know we we, we have our struggles we have our hardships um really makes him who he is because uh, you know we, we all know people in generation businesses where generation one or two says no you can't change that to the next generation and it really encumbers the ability for it to grow yeah and for the next generation to really put their mark on it because it's different <clears throat> you know my father still tells me he needs to go to learn how to reprogram a controller 
or how to take a compressor apart. I'm like, Dad, you're 84. He's like, but I need to go to that class. I'm like, great, go to the class. I would, yeah. you, you want me to tell you no? Now, now you know. Now you know where it comes from. You know, when he talks about you, it's with such great pride and reverence. And and I know for a fact that he's he he's couldn't be happier that you're at the helm. Uh, having said that, what are what are some of the challenges? You're running a business that does how much a year now? Now we're going to do forty-five to fifty million. So it's, I think the biggest challenge is we, you know, we're now one hundred and forty team members here. Yeah. At sixty or seventy, you knew everybody. You knew everyone's kids. It's really hard to have the intimate personal relationships at the bigger size that we've strived to really have the open door family policy with everybody. It doesn't matter who you are, if you're here a week or if you're here 30 years, we try to treat you the same. And keeping that is really difficult to keep the family feel of it. There are times that we need to have some corporate structure here just because of what we're doing. But we like to say that we're still family held and corporately minded. Uh, we, we need to respect both sides, but we really like to get into the, you know, when you have someone that has an incident or, or life happens and we can help, uh, we like to be as involved in their, in, in their circles as we can be. Cause I think that's what makes us who we are. Yeah. Well, I remember talking to one of your uh, GCs, you were, I think it was Sweetwater. And I said, what makes NCON so unique? And he said, they can come in, we can get a bid from another contractor. And Marty and David can come in and size it up and it'll be 20 or 30% less. It'll be more effectively engineered and they'll get it done in half the time. Is that your unique uh, ability to offer your skills in the marketplace? Your unique value proposition? It really is. It, It really is. And we've had a, you know, use all the cliche words of pivot. With, the, with supply changes being different than it is than it was five years ago. You know, we look at jobs now where we're told we can't get units for, you know, 30, 40, 50 weeks and a client needs, can't wait that long. So now it's a matter of how we repurpose equipment, how we refurbish things that five years ago we might've replaced and replaced quickly, um, or try to design it based on around, you know, availability of equipment that works for, the new energy codes, um, the new customer needs with outside air and all the other things that our country's going towards really makes it difficult to be able to do both. And it's hard. It's hard getting the, the next generation here trained and saying, hey, not only do we do need to do it for the best value, we need to do it to meet schedules, which remain very, very aggressive when we are incumbent that we can't get things. Um, and we're no different than the rest of the country. Um, you know, a 20 ton rooftop unit used to be on a shelf somewhere. You know, now we're lucky if we can get it in six months. So what do we yeah. do? How do we find that and make that work? And you've created that expectation because of the quality of the work that you've done. And now uh-huh. things have changed where you're saying, okay, we're going to help you lift this thing along until we can get the equipment. Yes. And you know, the things that we've become really industry well-known and respected for, we have to continue to raise the bar. Um, and it's harder because um, things that we normally used to be able to do pretty quickly and, and, and timely 
Um, the, 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 the rules have changed a little bit. So we just need to continue to work hard to stay in front of that. And that's a nice segue into the next question is, you know, we met 23 years ago. What's changed between then and now? Besides the fact that uh, you're, you went from 2 million to 50. Good friend told me, uh, you know, the only thing that changes is the books you read, the people you hang out with and the places you go. <laughs> uh, I love, I love quoting Mark Madison. I think in fact, you told me after I, after I give you credit three times, I can now own it. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's yours that now. One. It doesn't belong to me. It belonged to yeah. Charlie Jones and now it belongs to me and now you have it. So. Well, I appreciate that. And I thank you for it. Um, no, it's, it's the people. It's always about our people. We, we work really hard on keeping our culture, what it should be. Um, and even through COVID, you know, New Jersey was a state that our governor mandated construction shall not stop. Um, and we had a very strong culture of keeping our, our team safe, keeping our team with all the PPE they were entitled to and sourcing it however we needed to at any expense. Um, but making sure that our culture from events and activities and recognition of the team that's out there every day working. I mean, you know, the, the, the country's had the hottest, hottest July, I think, on recorded record. And these guys that are out there on the roofs, guys and gals that are out there delivering parts and doing everything and dispatchers are getting screamed at, you know, we don't have enough people and you're no, not everyone's first and keeping the train moving forward with all the noise around you. I give the credit to them. And my, my job really here is being the support staff, support system for them and whatever they need. And whether it's helping them source something or helping them get material or helping to make sure that, Again, they just have the, the ample supplies of whatever that is for resources to do their job as well as they can. You're talking about servant leadership. Try to, you know, it's easier said than done. There's times it's really hard to do because no one really teaches you that. You can read a book about it. You could hear an audio tape about it. Um, but when it's a hundred degrees outside and everyone's your best friend and everyone's saying, I've got to be first, navigating through that is really difficult when you have technicians that have been working 80 hours and they're really hot and really tired and yeah. inspiring them to do one more safely. Um, Cause you know, we're, we're all sitting, we all think sitting in an 80 degree building's tough. Well, when you're in a 140 degree attic for hours on end and you come down and you get into your truck and your dispatcher saying, you know, it's great. I got three more for you. I hope you're feeling good. Yeah. I hope you're hydrated. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's really hard and takes a lot of, you know, emotional, um, empathy from our team here to inspire them to want to do one more or respecting when they say, you know what, I'm just done. Yeah. I need a break. I need to go yeah. home. And safety is a huge core value for us. And we take it seriously and we inspire people to be honest and say, Hey, when, when you're done, you're done. That's okay. That's a balancing act. It's a balancing act internally and externally. Yeah. Um, and telling our external customers, you know, so-and-so is supposed to be there, but, you know, he's dehydrated right now. He needs a break. It's going to be another hour. And, you know, I hope you're understanding of that because, you know, he's the best. I'm going to get there. He's going to fix it as fast as he can for you, but he needs to get there safely. Right. You know, that means he needs to cool off for a little bit and bring his body temperature down. And that's, that's what we're going to do. It's, you know, ironic because we've been talking internally about wearables. 
and saying, how do we make sure these men and women are safe on the roof? You know, and make sure that when they're on a 140 degree roof, and if something, God forbid, happened, how do we know that? You know, in the world of, again, wearables, how are we doing, am I doing what we should be doing and giving in enough resources to make sure that everyone's protected? Right. Safety that's first. a big part of our conversation, yes. Yeah, because you're the boss. So speaking of the boss, you have a famous new client now, someone that I've admired for many, many years. Uh, who is that? Uh, we do. We were we were granted an opportunity to fix American conditioning needs for um, yes, the boss Bruce Springsteen, and um, again, just really use our our talents and our wisdom to get some very very difficult equipment changeouts done very timely for him. Um, you know, downtime's utterly important in, in those environments, um, and just making sure that we do it with the right quality that. And, and in all in all fairness, Mark, he's a very very well known person. But we try to treat everyone the exact same. Yeah. Um, and we try to make sure that everyone gets the same quality at the same fair market value price point. Um, but it was a really interesting project, and uh, we're really thankful to have been involved in it. We hope it brings a lot more, a lot more things that we could offer for their campus um, over there. You, you had said the story you told me was uh, it was essentially a referral from someone you'd done business with. And he was staying at that person's house on the Jersey Shore. And his wife, Patty, said, it's so cool and comfortable in here. Who does your air conditioning? Is mm -hmm. that kind of how that whole thing evolved? It is. And, and, it, and it goes to the pride that the team takes. Um, you know, I could sit in my office and I could say that, yes, we, you know, we never have callbacks. We never have warranties. But it's really a testimonial to the text that we have and the training that we we give to them yeah. to make sure that they have the right tool sets to do their job as well as they can. And really, you know, you are out there. You're your own one person business and you've got to have the pride to say, all right, we're done and it works and I'm comfortable because that's our name. That's our reputation. Right. And every truck is its own, really its own little en entity unto itself. Um, I could tell you sitting here that we're the greatest and we're the best. But if our guys are, you know, if our guys and gals aren't doing their job out there, it's really just lip service. Right. So they all take tremendous pride in everything they do every day. Because of your stellar reputation in the marketplace, has new business gotten easier over time? Referrals like the one with, uh, with Springsteen? We are we we want to work for the right clientele that appreciate the fact that um, we we do take a lot of care and pride in in what we offer and how we offer it and how we train and how we value safety and we know that some of sometimes that doesn't mean that we're the cheapest right um, we want we want to bring the most value and we want the customers that respect that you know Mark back in the day I'm sure we both put a rope on a condenser unit and had someone pushing it up the, the, the ladder while two people were above the, um, I was the guy just, pushing. I remember. Yeah. yeah. And, and we've been there and you know what? That is cheaper than bringing in a crane. We no longer do that. And if it means that by bringing a crane in and doing things that way, we want to work with the customers that value that. And it means that not everyone is the right fit for everyone anymore. Um, but we really want to bring the right value proposition 
and say, here's the bar, we, we've raised the bar. And when we, when we raise the bar to a high enough level to a fair market price point, we know that we're gonna do the right job. And if there is an issue, we're gonna be here to stand behind our warranties and be here to have the right manufacturer support and training that we can self-perform that. And yes, it may be a few percentage points higher than our competition, but for that, we stand behind and do everything we can to make sure they're, they're happy and comfortable. And I think you guys do an extraordinary job of that. Uh, well, thank you. What books have had an impact on you since the title of this podcast is Mark Madison on Books of People? <clears throat> Other than your collection of books? <laughs> well, uh, well, that just goes without saying, obviously. But I mean, in addition uh, to that. You know, I love the leadership books on um, people that have gone, gone through struggles and how they've persevered through their struggles. I've read a few great books by, you know, some Navy SEALs and just the hardships that one has to go through. Um, I love the biography of Walt Disney. Um, oh, yeah. He came from nothing and his desire for perfection and that nothing else mattered to make sure the customer experience of what he was building back then, Disney, was the most unique place on earth. Um, but anything that talks about, because, you know, as Mike Tyson says, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> it's really, it's really easy to say, I'll, I'm going to go open up my business and I'm going to be the best at dot, dot, dot. You know, the E-Myth talks about being the best baker. Right. But all, all of a sudden, you, your truck breaks down, someone calls out sick, someone doesn't pay you. And the, the hardship that it really takes to be an owner that no one realizes what it's like to sign the front of the check. Right. Um, so all the books that inspire you, inspire me are those kind of novel, uh, storytelling fables that say, you just gotta, you gotta take your next foot and go forward. Cause it's the only way tomorrow can be better. Um, and you just never know. You, you never know, you know, in, in our world in contracting, I pick up the phone, I have a great call of, with a new prospect, a new client. And then the next phone call is, hey, you know what? You got mud all over my my, my brand new rugs. Right. What you guys are, and you've got to be positive on both. And remaining positive on both sometimes takes some outside inspiration to remember it's not always easy. Sometimes it's really hard. In fact, as being an entrepreneur, I think you have more hard days than easy days. Yeah. And no one tells you that. You know, we, we use a management system written by Gino Wickman. And when you, when you realize that it takes the team to do that and traction, because not every day is easy. And if you don't have the right processes in place with the right people, it's really easy to go backwards. Right. Well, and people think sitting in the big chair at the president's office is easy, but it's the sword of Damocles, isn't it? It's really, it's really easy to sit outside and say, you should have done that or why, you know, and understand. And again, they don't teach this to you in college. They don't teach us. The only way to learn it is to sit in that chair. Right. And, you know, some of the decisions are made because, you know, what affects one, you know, the impact on A, B and C and D. A lot of people don't understand, you know, why are we going back to this customer to honor that warranty? Well, A, it's the right thing to do. B, he's been a value partner for us for a long time. And C, he owes us a lot of money. The only way we're going to accomplish all is if we do the right thing. And if we right. do the right thing all the time, every time, 
historically for me, it is proven that it's the better way to live. Cost a dollar to keep the customer seven to get a new one. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, if if you had to go back and talk to your eighteen year old self, <laughs> what advice would you give him? Uh, run, run away, uh, take the hungry heart song. No, um, you know when I entered this business, my father had a tremendous partner breakup, so I learned by fire some really hard, valuable lessons. I don't know that I would change that. I think if you come into a successful business, you get very, very complacent with, it's always easy, it always works. So at 18, I didn't understand, because again, I grew up in a pretty simple lifestyle. So when I came to the business and I was 22, married with a little, with, with, with a newborn and couldn't afford a box of diapers, it taught me a lot of, a lot of value of money and hard work that I had the onset for, but didn't really understand why I needed it. Um, so I think the message to the 18 year old is just keep moving forward. When you fall down, you got to get back up. Um, I have two older boys that I've given that message to as well every day that sometimes life's hard. You don't always get what you want yeah. and it's okay. Hard work is never a bad thing. And sometimes you don't always know why you're working hard, but if you do it every day, you'll probably wind up where you want to be. Yeah, I, I remember hearing Lou Tice back in the 70s say, there's no time better spent than an honest, productive work. I was 14 years old and I was attending a seminar and that particular line really stuck with me. Um, so I, I want to wind this down by asking a, a few fun rapid fire questions. You ready? Yes. Apples or oranges? Apples. Uh, window seat or aisle? Depends who I'm traveling with. Alone, window, together with someone, aisle. <laughs> Best vacation ever. I, you know, I just returned from Costa Rica, and it's a beautiful country. We had an amazing time. I will definitely go back. Yeah, you told me to put it on my bucket list. I said, okay, fine. Yeah. You're about the fifth person that's told me that. So fine, it's on the list, okay? Quit bugging me. Uh, favorite sandwich? Uh... Ham, ham cheese, salami, lettuce, tomato. No onions. Not a chicken powder no. from Nino's? Um, that's my favorite dinner, but my favorite <laughs> sandwich is the cold cut Italian. You got some great delis in New Jersey, I got to tell you. The best bagel I ever mm -hmm. had was in Ocean, <laughs> New Jersey. So, oh, that's funny. Um, I guess closing thoughts, you know, you've been in this industry a long time. Uh, you're still having fun. You guys are growing like crazy. Uh, what advice would you offer, uh, not just contractors, but uh, any small business owner who wants to be a medium or large size business? So two things. Number one, be really be true to who your core values of the company are. Um, and as you're growing, process matters. <clears throat> And we were talking before about being in a generational business. My father did it, built a tremendous company, tremendous reputation without process. And at some point in growth and numbers and volume and moving parts, that shows itself. And the sooner you create the process for where you're going, the easier it becomes. 
and saying that, oh, I just know where that piece of paper is now. If you file it digitally or in paper or however, it allows you to grow into all of that. Creating it after you've grown is exponentially harder. Yeah. And I didn't learn that until we were a few shoe sizes too big and we had to bring in some external help to really value what it did. And not everyone internally valued process. And as we've grown and evolved, we hire people now that their core set needs to be, I like process. And that's a very different skill set than we looked for years ago. James Clear has, uh, well, he wrote Atomic Habits, which is sold millions of copies, one of my favorite books, but he has a newsletter. And this morning it said, goals are for people who care about winning once. Systems or process are for people who care about winning repeatedly. And that's kind of what I'm hearing you say. So as a Giant fan, I never like Bill Belichick until we beat him <laughs> in the Super Bowl. But the reason why he's so successful every year is his process works. Yeah. And it's true. Um, and the sooner you learn that and appreciate that and institute that, the more successful you can become and the more you can the more you can really throw some gasoline on your growth. You know, I'm not a big football guy, but I read Belichick's book. And I got to tell you, from a leadership standpoint, it's one of the best books I've ever read on leadership. It just happens to be about football. But, um, well, David, but, I know you're a busy guy, and I so appreciate you making the time to carve out to uh, to talk to me this morning. Thank you so much. Uh, well, Mark, you, you, you've been a friend and a mentor to me, and I really appreciate your time. Oh, you're too kind. Uh, I have one last favor to ask, and that is, uh, uh, would you please make it a great day unless you have other plans? Absolutely will. It's a beautiful sunny day out here in New Jersey. It is July after all. <laughs> Thanks, my friend. Thank you, Mark. As a leader in advanced HVC technologies, Mitsubishi Electric is committed to continuous innovation around efficiency, comfort, and wellness. From electric cars to electric water heaters to electric heating and cooling, the future is electric. The demand for all of our electric heat pumps have never been greater. So there's no better time to join our community of premier contractors and grow your business. Here are some of the reasons why partnering with Mitsubishi Electric is a great idea. Mitsubishi is the number one selling heat pump in America and has been the industry leader for over 35 years. Mitsubishi offers local technical support and has a network of excellent distributors. Mitsubishi's regional sales and marketing teams are available to meet with you and help you grow your business. To find out more, contact MitsubishiComfort.com. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697-0454 or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net. Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books, simply go to my website, www.sparkingsuccess.net. And remember, make it a great day unless you have other plans.